Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Today on the Charlie Kirk Show, we ring in the new year by giving you the news that no one else has given you. And we have an exclusive sit down with the great, the one, the only, the bold, the brave, the fierce, and the truly incredible Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, before we get started, though, please type in The Charlie Kirk Show. Start the year off right. And make sure you guys are subscribed to The Charlie Kirk Show. We are soaring in the charts. Thanks to you guys. Type in Charlie Kirk Show. Press subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Leave us a review. And go take your friend's phone and do the same. Buckle up, everybody. we got a great show in store. This is Charlie Kirk, host of The Charlie Kirk Show. Your home of conservative, libertarian, rational thinking. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to 2020, officially the new Roaring Twenties. I'll tell you, this year is going to be a pretty amazing year. As you know, as you all know, coming up in just about 11 months from now, we will be, God willing, re-electing a president of the United States. Uh, we want to apologize. Our podcast schedule has been a little disrupted by the Christmas season and New Year's. Uh, we'll be back to our normal three days a week uh, starting next week. But we have been surging in the charts uh, large in part thanks to all of you guys that have been continually promoting and subscribing and uh, mentioning our show on Instagram stories, and I've been sharing that. We have some amazing interviews coming up, so make sure you are subscribed. Uh, there is a very lively conversation I have with Congressman Crenshaw, which will be posted soon. Uh, nice back and forth with Senator Ted Cruz, Ken Starr, and so many others. So make sure you are subscribed to The Charlie Kirk Show. Uh, but before we get into my exclusive conversation with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, which I thought was one of my most fun conversations with her, just kind of talking more about some of the more mechanics behind being uh, press secretary of the United States, how early she would wake up and how difficult it was being a mother and also being press secretary. Uh, it's a great conversation. But before we get into that, we wanted to cover a little news that has happened over this Christmas season and New Year's. I know you guys are shaking off all the kind of holiday um, food and all the extra rest I hope you guys got. I know it kind of starts the new year, can be kind of sluggish at times. We want to get dive right into it. Um, and there's just been so much that's been happening even over this Christmas season. First of all, you guys might have saw or you guys listened to this might have been there, our Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. We had over 5,000 attendees. I want you just to realize that 5,000 attendees it's historic. It was the largest ever gathering of young conservatives in the history of our country. The president of the United States addressed them, uh, addressed our group. It was unbelievable. And they've still been using footage from his speech uh, the last couple weeks. And I had the opportunity to see the president at New Year's at Mar-a-Lago. He was in excellent spirits. Uh, he was defending uh, his decision to defend our embassy, which was really great to see. The anti-Benghazi is what he called it. And uh, that was just a really, really good statement. We're going to do a whole kind of show on that uh, sometime soon. I think that we have to dive deeper into actually what's going on in the Middle East and what the 
evil Iranian regime and the trouble they've been trying to cause throughout the Middle East. But he was in great spirits. And for those of you that might have saw some of those clips from our Turning Point USA Summit, you want to get involved with Turning Point USA, uh, just go to our website, tpusa.com, start a chapter, go to one of our events, pitch in some money if you can, get engaged, get involved. We are the fastest growing and largest conservative youth organization in the country. And I'm still, I'll tell you, I'm still kind of recovering from those that was four or five days. Uh, you, not much sleep. Our whole team worked really, really hard. I'm super proud of our staff. They really went above and beyond, and they made history. And 5,000 attendees, done by a staff all in our mid-20s. Uh, you know, We obviously have a couple people older than that on staff, but most of the entire team is early and mid-20s, putting on an event for the President of the United States, putting on for Ben Shapiro and Congressman Crenshaw and Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, Candace Owens. It was extraordinary. Turning Point USA hosted the biggest conservative event of the year. I couldn't be more proud of the work that we're doing. Uh, but also, in 2019, this is just so important, is Trump's campaign sent out a fundraising uh, email this morning, and it listed out some of the incredible accomplishments and explains the record that he's going to be able to run on in 2020. Here's just some of the accomplishments. I just thought this was so important to mention, especially as we go into this election year. Can you believe it? We are in an election year right here, right now. Under President Trump, we have the USMCA passed, uh, which will replace the disastrous NAFTA deal. Over 7 million new jobs have been created since President Trump took office. A record number of Americans are employed. Uh, we have killed Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, and ISIS is on the run, if not totally destroyed. More than 10,000 more factories in America. This is amazing. I didn't even know this till I read this. We have 10,000 more factories in America today than on Election Day in 2016. Uh, we withdrew from the Obama disastrous Iran deal and imposed the toughest sanctions ever. We have successfully confirmed over 150 federal judges since January 2017, including Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Huge tax cuts for small businesses made significant progress on building the wall, and we need to continue to make progress on building the wall. Hispanic American unemployment is at its lowest ever recorded. Women's unemployment hit its lowest rate in more than 65 years. Record low unemployment for African Americans. Asian American unemployment reached the lowest rate ever recorded. We've imposed tariffs on China. I hope we continue that because China is our greatest enemy and so many more. We're energy independent, so on and so forth. And in fact, Paul Bedard from Washington Examiner had 319 results and promises kept in 15 different categories, such as promoting economic prosperity for all, fighting for fair trade, securing the border, rebuilding our national defense, safeguarding life and religious liberty, transforming the courts for a generation, ushering in a new era of energy dominance, and promoting educational opportunity. Uh, and, the, and the pollster Zogby mentions this in an article to the Examiner that, quote, the impeachment of Trump will play little into how voters decide who should be president in 2020. Remember, it's the economy, stupid, and you can't impeach that. And incredibly, over the, over the New Year holiday, uh, CNBC came out with this unbelievable headline, quote, don't look now, but Goldman Sachs is saying the economy is nearly recession proof. So for all you guys listening out there that might have sold your stocks or went into little recession retreat mode, it's turning out that might not have been the best decision. Uh, it turns out that we actually might be going into the true roaring 20s. And if President Trump is going to continue to be president, there is no reason why we have to go into recession. And this is one of the things that frustrates me most. There's almost this inevitable conclusion that the media makes that we have to go into recession after good times. And that's because usually, typically, after good times, you have really bad politicians that will either increase regulations, allow bubbles to expand, raise taxes, or increase government spending. President Trump uh, has cut taxes, deregulated the economy, made us energy independent. I think our deficit is too big right now. I think that's something that we have to talk about a lot in 2020 going on. If there's one thing that I think that we need to improve on as a country, it's our debt and deficit. Besides that, though, economic thumbs up across the board. Uh, welcome to the 2020s, everyone. The sky is the limit for a resurgent America.
And the big news of the day today is the release of fundraising numbers for the final quarter of 2019 for the top two candidates and the lack of release for some of those numbers. So in in the fourth fundraising quarter, President Trump raised $46 million. This unbelievable amount of money. This is the most ever raised by a sitting president in one quarter. Uh, keep in mind, this quarter was completely dominated by impeachment. It only made the president's uh, entire pitch stronger and his base more energized. The president is going into an election with $103 million cash on hand. It's unbelievable. And that's just his reelection campaign. According to New York Times, officials have said that various Trump-related committees have raised a combined $308 million this year and have $156 million cash in hand. Trump's $103 million cash on hand going into an election year is over $20 million more than President Obama had in 2012. For the Democrats, I have to say this number is very impressive from a Soviet Bolshevik breadline advocate is unbelievable. Uh, Bernie Sanders, $34.5 million crushed the Democrat field. It's, it's incredible. Uh, in the fourth quarter, he got 1.8 million donations at an average of $18 per contribution. I have said on the Charlie Kirk show for quite some time, and the people in my circles know this, I think Bernie Sanders is the most interesting candidate. Um, he's the one that's able to tread water the best. He has a little health complication, doesn't go down in the polls. He says that uh, abortion should be used for population control, doesn't go down in the polls. Actually, let's play that clip of Bernie Sanders advocating for population control through abortion. Seriously, he says that we basically have too many people and that abortion can help keep that down. Play tape. Human population growth has more than doubled in the past 50 years. The planet cannot sustain this growth. I realize this is a poisonous topic for politicians, but it's crucial to face. Empowering women and educating everyone on the need to curb population growth seems a reasonable campaign to enact. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe? Well, Martha, the answer is yes. <laughs> and the answer has everything to do with the fact that women in the United States of America, by the way, have a right to control their own bodies and make reproductive decisions. And the Mexico City Agreement, which denies American aid to those organizations around the world that, are, uh, that allow women to have abortions or even get involved uh, in birth control, to me is totally absurd. And so, it, it, look, he stays, despite saying radical things that would end other people's campaigns, um, the Sanders campaign released that they have 5 million individual con contributions since February. And if you look at the actual numbers of this, the people donating the most are teachers, number one, which should just be fire alarm for the future of our country that teachers are giving to this Bolshevik breadline advocate, Soviet Union admirer, Marxist, who's never done anything in his life except try to advocate for the forced confiscation of wealth from other people. The fact that teachers are willingly donating to this guy should be a big, big concern to patriots and freedom lovers all across the country. Um, they have boasted, the, the Sanders campaign said that they have received 5 million contributions. Incredible. Number two, $24.7 million raised by Boot Edge Edge. Uh, I heard someone on TV this afternoon say that Boot Edge Edge's strong fourth quarter fundraising points to the fact that there's still room for a moderate. I don't think that he's a moderate. He is a radical. Biden raised $22 million. Yang, $16.5 million. And I guess Elizabeth Warren hasn't posted her numbers yet, so we're not sure what's happening there. And I'll tell you guys, uh, she sunk. She sunk like amazing. And I didn't see that one coming. You know, usually we're pretty good at predicting. I thought that she was everything that the left wanted. She really was not ready for prime time. She came across as uh, insincere in a lot of ways and also just not big and bold enough for a Democrat 
uh, primary that really wants the complete and total destruction of Western civilization. She seemed far too nuanced for that. Instead, they want a, they want a radical. And uh, I guess Buttigieg puts a nicer face on that radical. But Bernie Sanders, some people are saying that Bernie Sanders could win the nomination. Uh, and again, I've said he is the most consistent candidate, no matter what this guy does. Um, he could basically overthrow he could basically advocate for a marxist overthrow of a western democracy and he would still stay at his polls that's the equivalent of when president trump joked that he could shoot somebody on fifth avenue bernie sanders could basically go advocate for a marxist overthrow of a functioning western neoliberal democracy and still stay at where he's at in the polls pretty incredible uh people are saying bernie could be the nominee if he is uh i do think president trump will win uh but boy anything can happen and i fear i fear that if president bernie sanders might win my goodness, that would that would spell very, very tough times for our country in a very dangerous way. But I think President Trump would run circles around Bernie Sanders. So there's a lot happening. The Iowa caucus is a less than a month away, or it's actually just about a month away. We are going to have exclusive insight and analysis that no one else is going to give you. We know the left because we study them and fight them on college campuses every single day. We know where they're going. We know what they're thinking. So continue to come back to The Charlie Kirk Show. Press subscribe for instant analysis of what's happening in real time. We're going to give it to you straight, unlike the mainstream media that is consistently wrong about basically everything. What a great New Year's Day for football that was. I love New Year's Day. They have the New Year's Six Bowl games. There was only four this year because uh, two of the bowl games were playoff games previously. It was extraordinary. The Ducks of Oregon won the Rose Bowl. For you guys that listen to this program, quite often know that I'm a huge Oregon Ducks fan. My dad, my uncle, and my aunt all went to the University of Oregon, and they won 28-27 against the Badges. I love Wisconsin. I love being from the Midwest. So proud of how Oregon played. It was a little bit of a weird game. Had a a bizarre flow to it, but they overcame. It was incredible. I love seeing Minnesota win their bowl game against Auburn, Alabama, Rose old Michigan as it was pretty much predicted and Georgia surprised me against Baylor um, and they really came out we still had the national title game coming up Joe Burrow who might be the best college football quarterback I have seen in quite some time he is so calm cool and collected poised in a way that I haven't seen that LSU team looks like they are a team of destiny against Clemson who I do not think should have won against Ohio State that was another weird game. I, I, I think that these college football playoff games are different than most regular season football games because of these extended TV timeouts. Kind of how in March Madness, uh, they have these ridiculously long TV timeouts, so the game just feels different. There's a different flow to it. I think there's an argument to be made that it's quite similar for the college football playoff. Uh, so if you guys want to get in on the action, you guys say, oh, Clemson's going to win, LSU's going to win. There's only one place to do that. That's betonline.ag. Don't forget that promo code podcast one. And there's huge NFL action. The playoffs have arrived. The 49ers are the number one seat uh, in the NFC, which I'm pretty pleased about. But the Patriots have a pretty tough play-in game here. Uh, they were not number one seed, and so they are going to be battling this weekend. Get in on the action. Betonline.ag. Use that promo code podcast one. I think the 49ers have a chance to win it all. Uh, there's some pretty good teams out there. I think the Saints actually might make a run as well. So get in on the action, betonline.ag. Don't forget that promo code podcast one and go ducks. You guys don't have to hear me talk about that for another eight or nine months, uh, but we are going to keep on following sports very closely as we do here on the Charlie Kirk show. And again, we love our friends at betonline.ag. Use that promo code podcast one. Okay, now it's time for my exclusive sit down with former White House press secretary, and she's incredible and a darling of the conservative base, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the future governor, hopefully, of Arkansas. We talk about that. We talk about what life is really like in the Trump White House, uh, Trump's insane schedule and his legendary stamina. Uh, And this is a chance to see inside the walls of the People's House and to hear from Sarah uh, straightforward. And if you guys, we were were right at our Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. Uh, If you guys want to get involved or engaged, go to tpusa.com. That's tpusa.com. Start a chapter. uh, Join 
uh, a group that you might already have at a high school or college chapter uh, of a Turning Point USA group or pitching some money, tpusa.com. All right, enjoy, everybody. Here's my exclusive conversation with the great, the one, the only, the legendary, the fierce, the bold, and the brave, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Charlie Kirk Show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be with you. My my goal is to ask harder questions here <laughs> than you had at the white in the White House press pool. Well, I'm glad that this is a really quick interview. I'm going to walk away now before yeah. uh, I get exactly. too deep in. So um, the the conservative base just adores you. You fought for the president. You fought for our country so unbelievably, um, effectively, and eloquently as White House Press Secretary. For the young people listening to our podcast, let's start just with your career kind of trajectory. How did you end up as White House Press Secretary? I always love hearing these stories. Um, honestly, I sort of kind of fell into the job. I've always been more on the behind the scenes side of campaign and consulting. And I had been running campaigns um, all over the country, particularly in my home state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And I had been working for my dad's campaign for a while, and when he got out of the race, I was looking at the field and determined not only was Donald Trump the best person to beat Hillary Clinton, but I liked a lot of the things he was saying. So um, I'd gotten to know quite a few people on the campaign over the course of the primary, and so I signed on with President Trump's campaign in February of 2016, so pretty early in the primary. And one day I got a phone call and they said, hey, would you be willing to go on a, you know, TV tomorrow? And I said, sure, why not? And so I did. And my role morphed from kind of senior advisor to more of a a surrogate. And I ended up spending the majority of my time on the Trump campaign doing TV work. And after that, I became the principal deputy press secretary to Sean Spicer. And um, shortly after the administration ended up as the press secretary. Well, you you always handled yourself so well. I mean, the the press is more dishonest than I think we've ever seen in our nation's history. Uh, they're committed towards destruction and activism, not actually telling the truth. I mean, can you walk us through what would a typical day in the White House be? <laughs> I mean, there would be probably no tip. The typical day is no typical day. But just scheduling, how early would you get in? I get these questions all the time from yeah. people. And I say, I, I don't really know. <laughs> well, I think you nailed it right away. There is no typical mm-hmm. day in the White House. But that's one of the things I loved about it. Um, and certainly with this president, because he has such a unique and different style. And he controls so much of the message, not just for the White House, but for the country. Um, he sort of sets the tone of what we're going to talk about for the Mm -hmm. day. So sometimes you wake up in the morning and you think that the focus is going to be on one thing. And by 9 a.m., it's on four different things that you never even saw coming. Um, But the usually we would probably get started morning producers for morning shows start calling anywhere around 5 a.m. Whoa. Um, So So you'd be up at... 4.45, 4.45, 5 a.m. Yeah, you didn't have to be in the office at that time, but they'll start emailing and calling. I mean, Jeez. one of the things that people, I think, don't understand is that the press secretary, everybody sees kind of the behind the podium part, but they don't realize that every reporter pretty much in the world has your email and cell phone number. And so you're accessible 24 hours a day to thousands of reporters all over the place. My goodness. And they call, they email, and they're constantly looking for information or a statement. Um, And we kind of try to divide some of that. But a lot of the morning show folks would start calling pretty early in the morning um, looking for guidance and comments on something that may have happened last night or things that they're talking about, making sure that they still have sort of the administration's take on whatever is carrying the news that morning. I'd try to be in the office by 7.30, and um, it's pretty much off to the races from there. And the president never sleeps. (laughs) I mean, so you don't sleep. If he doesn't sleep, you don't sleep. He works until 11 or 12 
every night. And as you know, he's up bright and early. And thirty, six a.m. It's it's not a surprise to sometimes get a call from the president by you know six six thirty in the morning as well. My goodness, I mean, from people that have worked in other White Houses, they say this pace is unlike anything they've ever seen. Is that probably fair to say? I think so. I mean, um, you know, I've talked to quite a few reporters that have covered multiple administrations, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of them are going to be really bored um, <laughs> in about five years when Donald Trump is not president anymore. Because yeah. uh, you know, I don't think you could compare anything to the pace and the schedule that he keeps. I was talking with a reporter from some outlet and he asked me and I couldn't answer, but you you could answer better. He said, why does it seem like things are changing quicker under Trump than any other president? Like just there's so much, not just policy, but just differences of trajectory. And do you think, I mean, it's obviously the team that President Trump has around him, you being a big part of it, but it all starts with him, right? Absolutely. It's it's all driven by him. He is somebody who wants to get things done. He's mm-hmm. a businessman who comes in, he says, we have a problem, well, let's fix it. And he doesn't go the traditional route of, well, let's figure out, let's get 17 committees to discuss it. And he's like, we have a problem, we know how to fix it, just go out and do it. Um, and that was one of the great things about working for him. He didn't care if you were, you know, the press secretary or whatever else, if you were there and he thought you were capable, he'd be like, wow. Sarah, take it on, go do it. And um, I remember one day he asked me to call somebody. I was like, well, I'll call you know, the national security advisor and do this. He goes, Sarah, can you make a phone call or not? And I was like, yes, sir. He goes, then just get it done. He was like, yes, sir. And he's that way with everything. He just wants Anti-bureaucracy to Anti-bureaucracy get... almost. Exactly. Just and he's such a, a refreshing... Yeah. Thing for Washington, something that Washington so desperately needed was Donald Trump to come in, shake things up and say, you know, we don't have to make everything take years to happen. Let's get some stuff done and let's deliver on the promises that wow. we made during the campaign. And so, he does that every single day. So you would be up at 445, 5 a.m. You also are raising kids, right? <laughs> yeah. And you they have, help get you up at 5 a.m. Right. too. So you're dealing with all that. You're in the you're in the office, if you will, the White House by 730 dealing with everything. Um, and your days could go till eight, nine, ten, eleven. So you're on four or five hours of sleep. And if you say one thing wrong or one comma misplaced, it's a, a story. It's the end of the world. And people have to realize, <laughs> though, that you were the fatigue, right? That sets in for any human being, right? Yeah. Um, how did you deal with that? I and mean, that's what I, you, you know, I, we like to think that we, you know, work at a breakneck pace at Turning Point, but we're not, you know, running the White House. And, you know, we do red-eye flights and all this. And I, my heart goes out to you and Hogan. I'm like, you guys are under the gun. And after five or six days of this in a row, are you only on three hours of sleep? I mean, that's that's really, really hard. And just you have to continue to be precise. What what insight can you share to how you're able to, to work through that? Because I mean, imagine how much harder it is for the president. He's literally the most powerful man yeah. in the world. And everything he says and does is so scrutinized um, that it's the stress on us is a lot. But what he's carrying is unlike anything any of us could have imagined, particularly given the amount of incoming that he takes, the yeah. a constant barrage of attacks that he has to live under. Um, for the rest of us, I mean, we love our country and we love the president. We love it's the incredible. results and things that he's delivering on. And, you know, it was an honor and a privilege to get to play a small part, Big part. in what he was doing. And um, I had an incredible husband who was patient enough to uh, be supportive throughout that process. And um, at the end of the day, my my faith is another huge part mm-hmm. of what I think powers and defines who we are and gives us the confidence we need to go in and face some of the toughest days um, in that building and in 
you know, those different jobs. Getting in shape isn't just about losing weight. It's about learning healthier habits and feeling better about yourself, whether that's more stamina to keep up with your busy life, finally getting into those gold genes, or being more in tune with your body's needs or practicing more self-care. What if you could use one program for all your health and weight loss needs? No more hunting for training, apps, workouts, or calorie trackers and meal plans. Plus, add a goal specialist and a community of members to keep you motivated and accountable. What I love about Noom is they're able to have physical, psychological, and social examples of their success. Uh, Better self-care, feeling confident in clothes you wear, more energy, and just being able to be yourself. That's what Noom helps you accomplish. So how did Noom get you to help break those bad habits? Because Noom is a habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Look, this is what they say it is, cognitive behavioral approach. I say it works. Noom is not a diet. It's a way to live your life in an easy and healthy way. No food is good or bad or off limits. Noom teaches you moderation and can be done in conjunction with many pre-existing popular diets if you want. We're all strapped for time and Noom just asks you to commit 10 minutes a day for yourself. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up today for your trial at Noom.com, N-O-O-M.com slash Charlie, N-O-O-M.com slash Charlie. What do you have to lose? Guess what? Wait. That's all you have to lose. And you could do that at Noom.com slash Charlie. That's Noom.com slash Charlie. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Ah. Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. One of the most, I think, unfounded critiques of the president, or not even critiques, attacks, is that his, the war on women critique. And yet, he had so many amazingly competent women, such as yourself, in high positions of leadership. I mean, do you have some insight you want to share with the, the audience on that exactly? I mean, Kellyanne Conway, yourself, Betsy DeVos, Gina Haspel, Ivanka. I mean, there were more women in high-ranking positions in his White House than almost, I think, any in, in recent memory. And it was the first female press secretary since George W. Bush. Um, so what do, you, what, what do you think when you hear these kind of critiques and criticism? Not even, you hear this all the time, yeah, I'm sure. I, I mean, I find it so laughable. The, the president um, is so great about empowering women and not just like putting them in places of position, a position that are, you know, high level, but he actually listens um, mm-hmm. and takes advice from a number of people, including women, and he's perfectly comfortable being around. It's not like the women that he put in those places are wallflowers that are very quiet. We're very opinionated. We're loud, and we tell him what we think, and he listens to that. Um, I think nothing could be further from the truth that this is a president who not only empowers women, but also moms. A lot of the people that you just listed, uh, most all of us are mothers. It's a great point. And um, for him to be willing to empower us, he would constantly – you know, tell me, okay, get back to those beautiful kids. I got it, you know, when he'd call at night yeah. or in the morning or on weekends. And so he, so he was, was very cognizant of that. He was. Um, I mean, he knew we had a country to run of to. Of course. But at the same time, he was very um, gracious and great sure. about making sure we were able to do all of the things that we needed to do as well. Yeah, I've always found that, I mean, with my, you know, limited interactions with him, he was always very 
just magnanimous and aware of other people's, you know, goals and surroundings and all those sorts of things. Um, and I, I try to tell people that he's, he's doing this for a very specific reason. And that is to turn the country around. I mean, usually in politics, people get involved for all sorts of different personal motivations. Um, he, you could make the argument, this guy did not need the job at all. Yeah. He was already ubiquitously known. I mean, the whole country knew who Donald Trump was. Yeah. So he didn't do it for name ID. He didn't do it for wealth. I mean, you've seen the businesses be boycott. Um, he's been in now you have every, you have the Southern district of New York, you know, tying things up and he did it because of love of country. And you, he does, he gets no credit. In fact, it gets the opposite. He just gets criticism. <laughs> yeah. It's, for a, that. it's unbelievable to me. Um, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head and something we talk about all the time. This was not a person who needed to be president, mm-hmm. but the country needed him to be president. Yes. And we needed him desperately at this time to come in and really revolutionize the way that Washington works. It was so stagnant and so afraid for people to take risks and mm-hmm. to shake things up and do things different. All the time you would hear people say, well, that's not how we've always done. And he'd be like, who cares? We're going to do it different now. And I think that goes back to the point of why he's actually getting things done. He's not afraid. Uh, to go against the system. He's not afraid to challenge some of the mm-hmm. biggest institutions. I mean, he's challenged the media. He's challenged the bureaucracy. And he has delivered for the American people. And I mean, this is a guy who's not afraid to take the hits and keep on fighting because he loves the country. He believes in it. And he knows he's getting things done. No doubt. So unfortunately, now the president, I guess, is he technically impeached? Uh, the articles have to be handed over. Or something. It's the most bizarre thing. <laughs> yeah, in the world. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. They were in such a rush to get it done. It like had to happen so much so that Nancy Pelosi didn't even allow due process to go all the way through. <laughs> but now we have all the time in the world to wait. Well, so what, I'm what, very what, confused. What I find hilarious is, so we didn't obviously we didn't want the president to be impeached, and so now Nancy says to, to to Mitch, well, if you don't have these concessions, I won't send the article so he won't be impeached. Like, okay, that's fine. Like, <laughs> okay. We're, we're okay. Like, we're no, we're, we don't really need this. Yeah. And the second thing is he was impeached for obstruction of Congress, which is insane. I mean, it's the most laughable thing in the world. I mean, Congress has obstructed itself. Congress hasn't done anything <laughs> in months. Well, and also, I mean, I mean this in the best way. We hate Congress. We, the American people, like, I'm, I'm glad President Trump is obstructing Congress. Like, they have like an 8% approval rate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of being a disruptive president, we elected him to try to obstruct broken institutions. But there's no one in the Constitution where that's, it's an impeachable offense to, to obstruct Congress. Way different than obstructing justice. Two totally different things. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, this whole process has been just a complete disaster for Democrats. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen it play out in real time. Um, the polling has completely shifted. I mean, look at the amount of money that Republicans are raising compared to Democrats right now. Yeah. By every metric you can test, um, impeachment has been a complete failure for Democrats. And I think that Nancy Pelosi's decision now to hold it up is going to go down as one of the dumbest political moves. I mean, just to show the complete partisan politics Mm -hmm. in this whole process. I think we've seen that play out day after day. And the American people are tired of it. And they're much smarter than Democrats are giving them credit for. They don't want to see this anymore. Mm -hmm. They want to go back to focusing on things that actually matter to them. They want Congress to actually get something done Mm -hmm. that impacts them, not just keep fighting the president. So uh, in the couple minutes we have remaining, tell me, um, Arkansas is where you're from, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Every time the president 
talks about you, I think he <laughs> thinks Arkansas is in, in cycle. Yes. I've reminded him a couple of times that it's actually uh, not in cycle right now. So uh, we've got um, Tom Cotton running for re-election with no opponent. So um, we're in a pretty good place in Arkansas right now. But the governor's race is up in 2022? It is, yeah, okay. 2022. He seems pretty focused on that. In my own opinion, <laughs> I think you'd be a great governor of the Thank state you. of Arkansas. Uh, and I think now this would be a very interesting question. I have to think about this. Would you be the first father-daughter combination to ever be governor of the same state? I think so, as far as I know. Um, that would probably... I'd have to do a little more research. I'm sure there's some obscure thing that we're forgetting and missing, yeah, and I'll, I'll I... be accused of lying yeah, later. Yeah, of course, yeah. That, fake news yeah, that fake. Sarah makes up some <laughs> crazy thing. And I mean, Arkansas is a very, in my in my opinion, perplexing place. Where it's the, it's the, you have Bill Clinton, Bill and Hillary Clinton, yourself... You know your father. Um, you got you got all sorts of range. We have a of, lot of personalities. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And correct me if I'm wrong. Arkansas now has no more Democrat congressmen. Is that right? Correct. It's been all r- the, run them all out of the state. Yeah, all the constitutional, uh, statewide constitutional offices, all the federal offices are all Republican now. When my dad came into office, 86 percent of all elected officials in Arkansas were Democrats wow. uh, back in the 90s, and we've seen just a complete shift uh, post Bill Clinton. Um, to go completely to the Republican side. I always say Arkansas is one of the most underrated states in the country. It's, it's my favorite place on earth. It's beautiful. Yeah. You, you come visit us anytime. Well, we'll be happy Sarah, to host you. Sarah, anything you want to plug, a book you have coming up or anything? A book are... coming in the fall. Okay. Um, so we've got a little bit of time, but hopefully I'll get to be back on before that happens. You got it. All right. Thanks, Sarah. You really bet. appreciate it. What a great conversation that was. We're so appreciative to Sarah. And again, that was at our Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. Get involved in 2020 with Turning Point USA. Go to tpusa.com. That's tpusa.com. And right now, take out your phone, open your podcast app, type in Charlie Kirk Show, press that purple button that says subscribe, and then scroll down, give us those five-star ratings, leave us a review, and then go take all your liberal relative phones and do exactly the same. Their life will be better because of it. Thanks so much, everybody. Till next time, this is Charlie Kirk, host of The Charlie Kirk Show. We'll see you soon. Happy holidays from your friends at Podcast One. Hi, everyone. It's Becca from The Lady Gang. We wanted to say thank you to all our advertisers for their support this year. We couldn't do it without you. Have a very happy holiday season. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. I want to thank you for listening this year and have a happy and safe holiday. Hi, it's Barbara Boxer wishing you a happy new year. And this is Nicole. Yeah, and we're wishing you a happy holidays. Hey, everyone. It's Sheena Shea from Shenanigans. Just wishing you all happy holidays and a very happy new year. Hey, guys, it's Nas and Nadia from Ladies Ladies Like Like Us. Us. We want to wish our listeners a very happy holiday and say thank you to all our advertisers who support our show. We could not do it without you. Happy holidays. Hey, it's Heather and Terry Dubrow. Hello. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Shaq, I know you love being Santa. No, I am Santa. All day, every day. Happy holidays from from adulting adulting like like a mother father. father. Hey, everyone. It's Caitlin Bristow from Off the Vine Podcast wishing you a very happy holiday season. And thank you for all of your support this year. Tis the season of giving. And we know you're looking for gifts for your family and friends right now. So check out our amazing sponsors who bring you showmance every week for free. Give us your ears. And they'll give you awesome deals. And we will give you more of the content you love. Hey, it's Heidi Pratt. I just want to thank all of our amazing sponsors for making this show possible and every that they do so we can have this free podcast for you guys every week so thank you so much to all of our awesome sponsors we love you and we really love all your products so thank you hey everybody steve austin here and i want to wish you a very happy holiday season and a happy new year and that's the bottom line 
We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. 